No Donovan Mitchell was a problem. We'll talk about why and how the Cavs lost to the Magic in their first game post-All-Star break on a new Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmba. That is linkedin.com slash lockdownmba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I am Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. We're here after Cavs Magic, where Cleveland loses its first game after the All-Star break. In a game that really didn't have Donovan Mitchell, but Evan, I still found to be a somewhat disappointing Cleveland performance. What did you What did you make of this game? I think disappointing is a good way to put it. Yeah, there is no Donovan Mitchell in this one, but this is pre-All-Star break against the Bulls. They came out flat, but they were able to put together just enough to squeak out a win, but... It feels like ever since they lost to Philly, it feels like their mind has been in another place, or maybe just like... The general fatigue of things is kicking in, but J.B. Bickerstaff did stress this pregame, and I do think it's the right thought process. Like, It's not going to be an instantaneous thing. Um, it's going to be a gradual ramping up process. Like, This is the first game where Darius Garland and Devin Mobley were no longer on their minute restriction. I think Mobley played really well in 34 minutes. Garland, um, not so much, I'd say, but this is just like a lazy game for the Cavs, I think. Um you know, the lack of three-point shooting could be something people point at. But the fact to me is they turned over the ball 20% of the time uh, in this game. Like, that that's just a recipe for failure, especially when Orlando scores 28 points off of those turnovers. So the, the Cavs more or less shot themselves in the foot um, all throughout this game. I think they were competitive in the second and third quarter. And then you watched it kind of just slip away from them. And it was like uh, they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Like, it wasn't like Orlando. Like, yeah, Orlando beat them, but like, the Cavs really did not set themselves up for success in this one, and you just kind of have to let this one roll off your back for Cleveland and now shift your focus to Philly on uh, Friday night in the second game of a back-to-back. Yeah, and and I think if you if you look at if you look at this job and you look at the, what they did here and you look at this game, just a lot of the hallmarks of what worked pre All Star break are just kind of gone, and and I I want to get kind of deeper into the three-point stuff as we go, Evan, but I think that just speaks a little bit to how Donovan Mitchell is at the core identity of this team, and there's some Darius Garland flashes in this game. We're going to, in segment three, talk a lot about just where he's at and kind of rehash that a little bit and what he looked like in this game, but you think about the, the kind of shots it felt like they generated, the way they looked, just the way how hard or or not easy things just came for guys in different spots. I think that all goes back to just no Mitchell. Like Mitchell is the engine of so much of what has worked this team the last several weeks. And you take him out of that, you can try to run some of the same stuff. Orlando deserves credit for being a good defensive team and big and all of that. But it it might just be as simple as you didn't have Donovan Mitchell and he defines the way you play plus post Oster break. And that's how you lose a game like this. It might just be that. It could be a product of that. I do think just not having Mitchell at the center of this, like you said, like he is the 
the guy for the Cavs on just what they need to do on offense, especially with Darius Garland having such an up and down start to the season and also just, you know, having uh, just, you know, injuries just kept getting in the way of just things with the jaw injury being the most devastating one for Garland. But Max Struess was actually asked about this post game, like did not having Donovan change the dichotomy of things. He's like, yeah, it did, but we can't, they can't use that as an excuse most nights either. Cause like, this Cavs team is also too talented to kind of come out this, just, just this poorly. And I think, yeah, they, they didn't take enough three pointers. I leaned over to Jackson Flickinger at one point. There was a possession where Jared Allen was at the top of the key. I thought for a second, like, Oh, he's wide open. He might rip this one. And then he looked like he was about to pull it. Then he kicks it off the Garland who then drives to the basket and either turns it over, gets fouled or just, you know, it's just kind of one note. And I think with Garland, it, it's still a work in progress with him getting back to feeling comfortable with himself. And I thought, at least in my eyes, like, hey, there's no Mitchell in this game. This is a really good way to get Garland a little bit more comfortable, get his feet wet and what the Cavs are trying to do stylistically. And there were moments of it, sure, but it's, it's obviously not to the level of success, you know, is growing accustomed to without Garland out there. And I think those are just going to be part of the growing pains for these last 20 plus games until the postseason comes down. If anyone can also just like, I think I can believe that they truly believe, by the way, that they say that they don't care if you can't make an excuse because the guy is out. I believe that Max Drews would just like feel that in his soul. He culture never die. Yeah. Like, honestly, they, they, he, he, yeah. it was actually Jackson Flickinger asked and he's just like, he did not having Donovan out there make a difference for you three point shooting wise. He's like, I mean, he's like, I mean, yeah, like, you know, kind of bluntly like, yeah, Donovan takes a healthy volume with him. I mean, he shoot takes almost 10 three pointers a night on his own. But he's also just like, well, yeah, we can't make excuses. Like, we can't, like, make our entire core identity, like, lean on one guy. Like, other people have to step up. And I think Struis is a dude who stepped up in this game, especially down the stretch. But it was just, um, Orlando just mucked this one up pretty quickly. And they never really let the Cavs get comfortable at all during this game. And I think that was another big part of it, too. Like, tip your cap to the Magic. The Magic played this game very well. And use their length and athleticism just to kind of fluster the Cavs quite a bit. And maybe some chicanery with Mo Wagner didn't help either, but um, you, you know, you can't like get in a fight with the refs. You can't let that be the deciding factor either. Like if you want to be a team that is, or at least wants to be perceived as elite in the Eastern conference, you can't let the little things be the reason why you lose. You can't, you can't let it get to you because that's the mental edge of this, this game. The other thing, too, is just, like, some of the sharpness just felt very post-All-Star breaky to me. Like, Jared Allen, you mentioned him. He also had, like, a missed dunk in the fourth quarter where Mobley found him in a really good yeah. spot under the rim, and he just, like, smashed it on the on the rim, and it's like, if one of those things good doesn't go your way, okay, that's going to happen. That happens every game, but when it five, six, seven of those go against your way, you kind of just end up here. Like, I... I I find this a very boring thing to say about the game and the three point stuff we're going to get to in segment two to me is like the crux of the interesting part of this game to me, but sometimes you just don't have it and we'll see if they have it Friday, but they didn't have it here. Yeah, they just, they didn't have it. And that's just the reality of the situation. Like, I don't think that's boring at all. It's just, you know, it's, um, just, it is what it is. Like, you know, there's, there's things that are going on off the core. Like it's supposed to all start break. Like, fatigue like guys are still trying to get back into shape you know physically and mentally and also like it is a momentum stopper too like 
the Cavs were a little topsy-turvy against Chicago. Maybe their minds were elsewhere heading into that game. But, um, yeah, like you could tell, like there, there's, there was a little bit of rust after having like almost a week off. And the Cavs were only, like Isaac Okoro said, is like we only were able to practice twice. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of like rust and like awkwardness that we kind of have to refine out there. And like, <clears throat> hopefully it's just, you know, sooner instead of later. And I, I am curious, like we will record and talk about the Philly game. Friday night going into mm-hmm. Saturday, I'm curious to see how they bounce back and respond in this upcoming matchup against the Sixers because this is a team that entered their winning streak and really like took the wind out of their sails last time they met the Sixers. Yeah, and it's a really good shout because that was the first time we saw this team, I think, feel kind of like deflated by a performance in recent memory. All right, mm-hmm. after this, three-point volume, I'm going to give you some numbers and we'll talk about Mobley and Okoro because both of them I think were bright spots in an otherwise odd game but that's going to come up after this today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn when you're hiring for a small business you want to find quality professionals that are right for your role that's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. They do all of that by making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire, so they're constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So three-point volume, Evan, to me, is is really the story of this game and why the Cavs' three-point volume wasn't where it has been of late. So 33 per, 32% of the Cavs' shots were from three. 22 threes in terms of just the raw number. Only once this year before this game had the Cavs taken fewer threes in a game than 22. And if you that that was over a month ago in a random win over the Detroit Pistons that I I have a hard time like get like frankly play the Pistons like I'm not gonna you can throw that one out of the the data sets and everything that's just like a, a game you win and you move on and you don't think about it again but this was just such a even though they were efficient from three they were ten to twenty two the fact that they only got up twenty two when in recent games before the break they took thirty seven. 37, 41, 37, 35, 41, 44, 35. The last several weeks, they've just been letting them fly. It has made them better. It has made them more dangerous. It has loosened things up. And I I have some theories as to why they couldn't get them up in this game fully. But to me, that's, that's the crux of just why they lose in some ways. It's that they didn't play to this in the same style. I think we've seen them play in the last several weeks and, and that it's kind of led them to a lot of wins. Yeah. Um, I agree. The three point shooting was a big part of this. I, I still just hammer home the point that like careless turnovers really did just hamstring the Cavs. Like sure. Not having Donovan Mitchell takes away a hypothetical 10, three pointers in this game. 
But the fact that the Cavs are so careless with the basketball, like Jared Allen said, like there's a few possessions where like he's like, yeah, I was just careless with it. Like Darius Garland wasn't, he had 10 assists for turnovers in this game. It's like, you know, not terrible, but it's also like not like, you know, super careful with the ball either. But you just kind of have to keep working through these growing pains and figure out like ways to maybe not shoot yourself in the foot. And I think to me, like that was the big one is just like they kept, they kept being careless with the basketball and giving the magic opportunities to either widen the lead or just um, get, keep themselves in the game. The brief moments, the Cavs maybe like kind of swung things back in their corner. And if you're trying to find stability and balance without your best player on the floor and Donovan Mitchell, like that's just not a recipe for success to me, in my eyes. I think just no Mitchell is also just like why this happened to some degree. Like, Darius Garland, who we're going to get to, just can't generate or couldn't in this game or can't this year, whatever it is, generate the 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 fear in defenses that or the, the, the respective defenses to open up threes in the same way. He just can't do it in the same way Mitchell can. And you, all the cutting Struess in particular did was great. All of the stuff they were working on, I thought, really, really worked in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's like you take on Mitchell and it's like what like that's kind of like you you change your whole system without Mitchell. You change like the your danger level in that case, right? Like and so it kind of just like that happens. There you go. That's kind of just what you have to, to deal with for a night. And you pro- it's probably, you know, he's back Friday, let's say, and that probably gets fixed and it's a one game off thing. But I think again, it's another reminder of just how vital Mitchell's gonna be. Yeah, and especially when Darius Garland clearly isn't, like, 100% physically. Like, I think there are glimmers and flashes. You notice at the top of the show, like, there are moments you see, like, yeah, this is the Darius Garland we've grown accustomed to. But then there's also moments where, like, he's kind of passive or, at least for me, I think the most, I don't want to say disappointing, but maybe sometimes frustrating thing was, yeah, there's a clear lack of offensive production and scoring because you don't have Donovan Mitchell on the floor. Like, this was a game where I expected Darius Garland to take more than I believe he took 12 shots. Yeah, he took 12 or no. Yeah, 12 shots in this game. Six to 12 from the floor, three or five from three point range. Like I this is a moment where I'm like, Darius, I need you to be a little bit more selfish when you're trying to score and like mitigate the loss of not having Donovan Mitchell and his, you know, nearly 30 points per game on the floor. So like you got to find compensation elsewhere. Like you weren't getting it from Karis LeVert. George Yang was getting picked apart on the bench. Sam Merrill had a four-point play, and then, like, other than that, was kind of one note and bleh. Um, Craig Porter Jr. played for a cup of coffee in the first half. Like, the, the Cavs were sh- kind of hoping somebody would step up, and, yeah, Max Strews had, like, some big hustle plays down the stretch to kind of keep the Cavs competitive, but to me, like, if you want somebody to step up when Donovan Mitchell isn't available, the guy has to be Darius Garland. And maybe it's a comfort thing. Maybe it's a physicality thing. Cause like he looked gassed at points just because like he played more than just four to five minute bursts that he had during this minute restriction he was under. But it, those, the, there are moments where like, I wish Darius was kind of ripping it a little bit more just to kind of like compensate for the lack of his uh, co-star out there. Let's just finish talking about him. We'll get to, we can do Mobley and O'Cor in, in segment three. I, I think I agree with you. He just needs to like, let it rip. And yet there's times in this game where I watch the way he's creating passes and creating assists for guys and creating good shots for other guys, particularly inside the paint, where I'm like, oh, that looks like the Darius Garland that we know. That looks like the, a version of the Darius Garland the Cavs need. 
But he just still, I mean, physically, I don't think he looks all the way back yet, which which makes sense. And yeah, and also he's just, he he's also just not wired that way. I think we can both agree. Like he is not a guy who will just hoist up shots for the sake of hoisting up shots. Like he doesn't really chase scoring numbers. He'd rather just pass the ball. And like, yeah, the ten assists are great. Like the fact that he had a double double with scoring assists is great. The fact that he had a five to two assisted turnover ratio, I guess a 2.5 to one assisted turnover ratio in this game is encouraging. Um, but more so the fact that like, you just want him to rip it more, but like, he's just also not hardwired that guy that way either sometimes. And that, I think that is just like, you know, something you have to kind of roll with, with Darius Garland as much as you may not want to. He, there is a balance for him that he found, I think, best in his all-star season where he was aggressive and he took shots. Well, he's also the only dude running the offense, so, too. So that that's part of my point is that, like, I don't know if he's ever quite found that balance again with Mitchell. There's something to be said of, like, I kind of just expect more from him to, to be able. I just have always thought of him as a really malleable guy. Maybe maybe we're learning he's not as malleable as we thought. I, I don't know. There's something like we have to maybe just take away from this at some point um, and, and do something with it. I, I guess I, I also just think, Evan, as much as like I kind of feel right now, we know I feel like Mobley is figuring some stuff out and we'll get to him. Oh, yeah. Um, he was awesome in this game, in my opinion. Like, I agree. Let's, so, let, let's save it. Yeah, let's save it. Garland, awesome. like, yeah. If Mobley is going in a certain direction where we feel like we know what it is and are confident in that, let's say, mm-hmm. I think figuring out Garland becomes the most like up-in-the-air thing over the next six weeks in the build to the playoffs. I agree. I, I wonder how the Cavs navigate it. Um, I know Mitchell did not play against uh, Orlando due to an illness. He was listed as questionable after missing practice on the other first official like media availability practice after the All-Star break. He practiced Tuesday from what I've gathered. Um, But either way, um, the Cavs may have to do a trial by fire thing too. We're like, Darius, we need you to kind of figure it out a little bit because there are, I guess, possessions where they played him off ball. We're like, Mobley was running the point and like a seven foot point guard, like doing some of the stuff he did in the first quarter was just like insane. Like the, uh, I'll talk more about it in a bit, but like even like Karis Levert, like is kind of like your backup point guard in these scenarios too. And like, there's ways to kind of creatively make Garland feel more comfortable with this new offensive approach where it is much more centric to Mitchell. And you only have so many games to figure it out because like, you don't want this to hamstring you come playoff time. Cause like, that's the most inopportune time to let that happen. Agreed. Could not agree more. All right. After this, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, will start with Mobley had some really standout performances. We'll talk about our optimism for those two guys to wrap up the show after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On and the an official partner of Well, Right now, you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. 
That is 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live saving game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Love Cavs Sixers odds up for Friday by the time we're listening to this. So, Mobley, Evan, I, I think to me where I start is, yes, he took a three. Yes, there's some good offensive stuff. I thought this was as good as his defensive timing has looked since he's come back from, from the knee surgery. Yeah, I think despite maybe some of the fouls that he picked up, I think I when he picked up his third foul, um, now it's actually his last foul, but it was in the first half. You can tell like there's a little bit of frustration, but to me, I'm like, despite the fact that I had J.B. Bickerstaff's voice like in the back of my head, like the best way to beat Orlando is to defend them without fouling. I think that's just the case for defending any team, but the Magic, they're the opponent, but... Um, you ideally like you want your best defensive player in Mobley to not be in foul trouble and kind of have to deal with that uncertainty. But yeah, defensively, like he looked a, st- a little fresher, he looked a little faster. Like there's possessions he was defending um, either Wagner brother. There's times he's defending, I mean, like shutting the water off Paolo Bancaro, who's like such yeah. an interesting matchup for him at times too, just because like that is a stretchy big man who is also big in terms of just size, like can really bang with Mobley and kind of make him uncomfortable just because Mobley isn't. He's taller, but he isn't as thick like Bancaro is. But like Mobley handled the assignment very well. And you saw Orlando kind of like find ways to mismatch that and like get him Mobley off of him just to make it easier on Bancaro too. But yeah, Mobley was all over the floor in this one defensively. Like he stuffed the statue. He had steals, blocks, assists, points, rebounds. And for me at least, like the, the scoring stuff is just so exciting still. Like the fact that bringing the ball up like I had was I alluded to it in the last segment but he grabs a defensive rebound brings the ball up and then just like drives at the basket like looks super fluid doing it looks like a guard doing it I'm like okay there's a little bit of sauce on this I'm like I like this like I want another taste of it and like I think we're gonna get more of it the more comfortable he gets with it of course but you're seeing Mobley just kind of doing the stuff that he was always hyped to be able to do heading into this season we're finally starting to see it click whether it's on defense or offense for him, and it's fun to watch. This is budding superstar Evan Mobley. Here's his stat line in 34 minutes in this game. 14 points, 5-9 from the field, took 1-3, 4-4 from the line, 8 rebounds, 6 assists against just one turnover, 2 steals, 2 block shots, 3 fouls. Maybe you want more shots. This was a pretty... Even dis- evenly dispersed shot game for the Cavs. Yeah. Um, so maybe just force feeding him more would have been cool or whatever, but pretty great two way game. And this is yeah. this is the kind of guy he's gonna be the rest of the year. We're we're in for something very fun. Uh Evan, let's finish on uh, Isaac Okoro. Yeah, say like two way games. Like Isaac Okoro had a really good night tonight, too. He's so just good. Like, like that's I just, so, dude, that circus shot he made. I, I was cackled. just like, I, th- I, I thought cackled. of you when I saw him, like he stops on a dime, doesn't fall out of bounds, attacks the basket, does like an up and under circus shot. We watch it go up, down, and then bounce right into the cylinder. And I'm like, yeah, Chris Manning like let out a yelp or some type of noise when he saw that play happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, now that take fouls have been abolished, like that's kind of like my thing. Um, I, I am wrong about a lot of things. Like I will admit that. Um, 
life, basketball, whatever. I'm wrong a lot. That's cool. I was not wrong about Isaac Okoro like being a good basketball player, and I feel I'm feeling extremely vindicated for for holding on to my stock options on Isaac on the in the Isaac Okoro IPO. Like I'm just I'm doing great. Big money, Chris, using all the big money terms now. But yeah, in 30 minutes, seven to nine from the floor, two of four from three is encouraging. The fact that like he's ripping it is helpful. The fact that he has 17 points, two rebounds, and assists, four fouls, two turnovers, like not ideal, obviously, but. You take the good at the bad in this one. Like you watch Akoro more and more, and you think back to last year when he was kind of on that hot streak, hits that game winner against Brooklyn, and then has an injury against Houston that just like completely derails things. Then he comes back in the playoffs and just does not look right, does not look comfortable, looks rusty, like was a non factor and like, you know, just a liability like Ricky Rubio on offense for the Cavs. Um and this year, like he is finding his groove, he's finding his confidence again, whether it's starting off the bench. And he's been consistently bringing it for Cleveland. Like he's just a lot of fun. Um, and I think maybe the third year leap doesn't apply to everyone. Maybe if you're drafted in the COVID year, especially when you're like drafted and then training camps two weeks after the fact, like you don't really have a summer league or anything to get your feet wet. Um, maybe i mean i'll admit i was wrong maybe we everyone should just myself especially should have been a bit more patient with the core and his development the biggest thing is is like he's confident and i think that's all you really can ask if you're cleveland is um him to be confident and just handle the assignment of defending the best perimeter threat like in this one it, it was either gary harris or jalen Suggs to start the game he spent time defending franz wagner apollo bancaro um, then also defended like Anthony Black and like, you know, a lot of different mismatches and things like that that Orlando could kind of exploit. But Okoro was phenomenal in this one. I think offensively, he was better than he usually is defensively, which is something you usually don't say about Okoro most nights. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, he is just locked in as like the sixth or seventh guy in this rotation now. Like, and some I think you're going to trust him more than Lavert just because, like, I think Lavert, if he's not making shots for you and maybe Garland starts playing better, Mitchell plays better, there's just less of a role for Lavert to be Lavert. There's just a lot of room for Okoro to be the best Okoro. And I think if you just, Evan, you look at the minutes. In this yeah, game. actually, I wanted to talk about this before yeah. we wrapped up. Like, they yeah. more or less went nine deep in this game. And like, the minute distribution was interesting because this is something we talked about mm-hmm. exiting the All Star break. Um, but go ahead, where are you going with us? Yeah, the one that's like, so like Niang only plays 15 and change. Dean Wade plays mm-hmm. just a, a little under 13. You get Sam Merrill for almost 12. You, as you mentioned earlier, Craig Porter Jr. gets like a cup of coffee in the first half. You don't see him again. And then Mobley plays 34, Okoro plays 30, Allen plays 34, Garland plays 37, Strews plays 33. It's very heavy in one direction, and you're seeing, it feels like you're seeing J.B. Bickerstaff go back into his rotation comfort zone a little bit here. I think it's a little bit of that. Uh, actually, Bickerstaff was asked about this um, game by uh, Joe Varden from The Athletic about how during this ramping up process to getting ready to the postseason, like, you know, you, you expect starters to play heavier minutes, your rotations get shorter, like guys who, i.e., like Levert and Akora, when it comes to like this fully healthy and complete rotation, like are the guys who also get some heavy minutes as well. Maybe they're closing games just depending on the matchup or things like that. But, um, Bickerstaff said this won't be the case every night because they have five games in their next seven days. They have a back-to-back, then they're off Saturday, then they play Washington, and then they're off, and then they play 
another back-to-back, and then it's just, it's a lot going on leading into March, and then, like, they have a tough March with a lot of two five-games-and-seven-night scenarios, and they also play the Knicks and the Celtics and the Timberwolves all in the same week, so... Um, like it's going to be some tough sledding, but yeah, if you can afford these opportunities to play your starters, have your minutes, especially guys like Garland and Mobley, who Darius leading the team in minutes doesn't really surprise me because you want him to kind of just, mm-hmm. you want to run him into the ground a little bit to get him back to that in-game shape. Like I said, like he looked gas. Like I joked with my, one of my buddies, I said, he looks like me after my freshman year of college when we would go out like on a Thursday night and then we'd go to the gym or the rec the next morning after or something like that. We go out on a Friday night, go to the rec the next morning after. And I'm just sweating Kanchaka. Like you can smell it in my sweat because like, it's it just like that kind of sweat. Like you're like, you I'm, have no choice having, in the situation. I'm, I'm having palpitations. Like just thinking about come ghetto gallon right now. Yeah. Like a good old $5 handle kids. Don't ever drink it. It's awful. Um, But like Garland just looked tired and that's, it it stinks, but I think that's what you want to because you need to get him into in-game shape as quickly as possible because he was a little bit further behind than Mobley was because of the limitations of his recovery. And so this is what you want to do. But let's say against Philly, let's say Mitchell's able to go. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe you saw a reduction in minutes for some guys and maybe an increase for others too because like Bickerstaff is probably going to find ways to like minutes on as many dudes as possible so that they can make sure their depth one through eight, maybe nine, if they really want to get freaky with it come first round time has their legs underneath them and they are gelling and kind of clicking when they need to. It's in there. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, we'll be back as Evan said before, after Cavs Sixers, we'll talk that game. We'll get you ready for Cavs wizards on Sunday. And we'll look at the standings in the East heading into Saturday after that Friday night game. Until then, have a great day. We'll talk to you soon.